And we are back with the Shot Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. What a weekend in the NFL. Things have changed. Teams are in interesting spots now, but man, oh man, the Patriots lose their second in a row, this time to the Buffalo Bills in New England, so at Gillette Stadium, and it was a big win in terms of playoff implications. Things have changed for the Patriots now going forward for these final two games. We also saw the Cowboys put a beat down on the Washington football team. I mean, 56 points in an NFL game. I don't even know what to call that. I mean, it's it's more than a beatdown. You know, I want to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, their respective teams in the Packers and the Bucks, who should be feared more at this moment in the NFC. We'll touch on the Lakers at one point, but I want to start with that Patriots game yesterday because, like I said, that is their second straight loss. Mac Jones was not good for the second straight game. I mean, he was a little bit worse in this past game yesterday than he was the week prior. I mean, 14 for 32, he threw for only 145 yards, zero touchdowns, and he had two interceptions. Last week, he had uh, went 26 for 45, 299 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions as well. So four interceptions for Mac over the last two games. That is very unlike what we have seen, at least for this Patriots team this particular season. It hasn't been a lot of Mac mistakes. I mean, we were definitely coming up on a time where we were going to probably see Mac struggle. Maybe in that Colts game, you could kind of pin that one as the one where, all right, this is the Patriots are allowed to struggle for a game, and so is Mac Jones. He's a rookie. But then all of a sudden, you come around to this past weekend, and they lose yet again, and now questions are arising. I mean, I've been yelling for more Mac. And I was wrong. I mean, I've been saying, you know, let this guy throw it down the field. Let him throw it more. Let's let's see what he's got. And I was wrong. And it shows that Bill Belichick knew his limitations all along. I mean, he understood that Mac's not a guy at this point in his career that's going to go out and win you a game. You know, you got to rely more on the defense, more on the running game. And really, I mean, it shows these past two games, this is why he doesn't trust him. I mean, he needed Mac Jones to go out there and do some damage in the passing game these past two games. And he just, he's not capable of carrying this team yet. In that Colts game, they go down early and they go down pretty big early. So at that point, it's like, you're going to have to throw the ball. You're going to have to get a heavy dose of Mac Jones here. He's going to have to be able to move the chains and start to get some flow in this offense and the passing game. That really did not happen until the fourth quarter where it was garbage time. And yes, they made a, a solid run and Mac looked good in that fourth quarter. But for the most part, he was not good in that game. And then yesterday, Buffalo takes the early lead and, you know, the Patriots responded. But at the end of the day, they were going to need Mac Jones to be able to make certain throws, be able to move the chains. And he was not able to do that consistently enough yesterday for them to get the win. And like I said, this is just not going. Mac is not at this point in his career, at this stage right now, this very moment, he is not going to be the guy that wins you games. I mean, the defense and this running game is what wins the Patriots football games. It's been proven throughout this entire season. But here's my issue. That's just not going to win you a Super Bowl anymore. I want you to think about the last five Super Bowls. You got the Brady comeback against the Falcons, the Eagles over the Patriots, where Nick Foles was incredible. Now, there was the Patriots winning 13-3 over the Rams. I'll get to that in a second. You had the Chiefs winning, and then the Buccaneers beating the Chiefs last season. Those are all 
heavily involved passing game, heavily involved QBs in those Super Bowls to get those wins. I mean, I understand. Rams 13-3. to How can you say, oh, that wasn't the defense in the running game? Well, listen, Edelman had 10 receptions for 141 yards in that game. Rob Gronkowski had six receptions for 87 yards. They still needed Brady to ultimately win that game, especially in the biggest moment of the game. Brady made a throw to Rob Gronkowski that ultimately was the reason the Patriots were able to win that football game. Even with the one example where the defense and the run played a major factor in the Super Bowl, Brady ultimately won that game with his arm, with a big throw, and the consistency that he had with Julian Edelman throughout that game. I came into this past four-game stretch saying, these are the games that are going to tell us who the Pats are. But then we had the Titans game where it ended up being an injury fest. I mean, everybody was injured. We had wide receivers injured for, for the Titans. Derrick Henry wasn't there. Even McNichols wasn't there. So it was a mess for the Titans. So you, I kind of took that game and I said, well, this doesn't really show much because this isn't the team that they would face in the playoffs if they were to face them at some point. So I scratched that out of it and it became, all right, these last three games are going to be what shows us a lot about the Patriots and and who they could be in the playoffs, who they can beat in the playoffs. I mean, they went one and two. The Patriots went one and two over these last three games and they lost the biggest game of the three, which was yesterday. They still could have controlled their own fate if they were able to get a win yesterday and they were not able to do that. Now, I'm not sitting up here saying, oh, they're bad, they were frauds, because that's just not what I believe. I don't believe the Patriots are a bad football team, and I really don't believe they're fraudulent. But I do think it showed they're not Super Bowl contenders this season. They're good. They are. They're a good team. But they're not Super Bowl good yet. Those are the teams you're going to play in the playoffs, the Colts and the Bills. The Pats won one for three in that. And like I said, to win a Super Bowl... At the end of the day, at some point, you're going to need your quarterback to win you football games. And I'm just not sure. Actually, no, I am sure, as of right now, that Mac Jones cannot do that for the Patriots. As for the Bills, I mean, they're playing the best football of their season probably at the perfect time. I mean, you look at what they, I mean, even in that loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Josh Allen was amazing. And he overcame a 24-3 halftime deficit. I mean, and they went out and they smacked the Panthers. Josh Allen had three touchdowns. They, they really handled the Panthers with ease. And then yesterday, obviously, you have Josh Allen, 388 total yards. That's combined with the passing and the rushing. You had three touchdowns, zero interceptions, six Bills receivers caught a pass. So as much as Stephon Diggs was great, as much as McKenzie was great, he was still spreading the ball around. He was finding different guys. He was making it happen. I believe in the Bills Super Bowl chances far more than I do New England's, and this is why. They have the quarterback. He can win them games. He can be the driving force to them winning games. Josh Allen has crazy ability to make up for the lack of a run game. I mean, that's, that is a problem in Buffalo. Their run game is not very good. But the fact that he is so talented when he uses his legs makes up for the fact that that is a lacking part of their football team. I mean, yesterday's fourth and two was a perfect example. The Patriots played that as well as they possibly could have. They had Josh Allen in the backfield in a very tough spot. And he was able to wiggle and finagle his way out of it. And all of a sudden, they got the first down and the drive keeps on moving. And then you look at what he did against the Buccaneers. He had 109 rushing yards while also having an incredible arm with all this. I mean, he's got a big arm. And as much as accuracy can sometimes be an issue... 
It really hasn't been the past couple seasons in the big picture of things. Despite the beating that they took a few weeks ago from the Boston media, their defense is also good. I mean, newsflash, everybody wanted to talk about, oh, they knew the run was coming. How embarrassing is that? Well, listen, their defense is pretty darn good. Their offensive line is coming around. It's better than it's been. And most importantly, their quarterback is red hot. The Bills are legit Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they had a rough patch, and they got through it. They passed the adversity test in Buffalo. You look at where they were at. I mean, they lost to the Patriots, and they lose to the Buccaneers. And it's like, man, they're in a real tough spot now. And, and it looks like it's only going down from here. Everybody wanted to say, well, well they got broken in, in that game with the bad weather. The Patriots broke them. Well, listen, they, are, they came out on the other side of this thing, and now... They're the ones that control their fate here in the AFC East. They're the ones that should win the AFC East. I mean, you think about the final two games. They're going to play the Jets last game of the season, and they have the Falcons next week. The Patriots, yes, while they have the Jags at home next week, they have to finish in Miami. And let's be honest about what Miami is for the Patriots. It's the house of horrors. They have not played well there. History suggests that. And now the fact that they're not playing their best football here in the most important time of the season, you have to question if they walk into Miami, it could have playoff implications. It it could be a game where Miami could play spoiler in a sense. Now things have to fall the right way, but Miami wins against New Orleans tonight. All of a sudden, they go from a 1-7 football team to an 8-7 football team. It's getting really interesting in the AFC playoff picture, but at the end of the day, I think one thing became clear yesterday, and the reason I say it is because we're in the final three games of the season. You are who you are right now. You're not going to get exponentially better, exponentially worse. I think yesterday showed us that the Patriots are not legit Super Bowl contenders, and it showed us that the Bills are actual legit Super Bowl contenders. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. Recent studies show germs have transmitted at self-service gas pumps. Don't put yourself at risk. Come to Murphy's Full Service Gas, where gasoline is pumped for you while you remain in the comfort of your car. At Murphy's, you pay the same low price whether you pay cash or credit. And free air for your tires for all our customers. Just look for the big green Murphy's sign on Social Street near the Diamond Hill Road intersection. Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. Groupfan.com is a website designed to cater towards the sports fan who wants more than just the traditional sports articles. They post articles about video games, sports cards, and the latest topics from various writers from southern New England. They're active on social media with videos from a list of analysts that includes me, Shat Chat host Bradley Shatraw. Visit Cruelfan.com to get the full cruel fan experience you expect from those who know sports. Sports news, opinions, what's yours?
And we are back with the Shat Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. Call into the show, 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. Tell me what you think about my take on the Patriots. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What were your thoughts on the game yesterday? I'd love to hear from anybody out there because... It was a big game, and there's no way around it, but there's still a lot of season left. The Patriots should still make the playoffs, so I'd love to hear where, you know, Patriots fans out there, where their heads are at after a tough loss. Let's be honest, that's what it was. Now, the Cowboys, I talked about them a little bit at the beginning of the show here. They beat the Washington football team yesterday 56-14. to And what that told me is the Dallas offense is back. Dak Prescott, 28 for 39. He threw for 330 yards, had four touchdowns, and did not throw an interception. Now, those stats right there are with him barely even playing the fourth quarter. I mean, this one was a blowout for most of the game. I mean, honestly, let's be, for the entire game. I mean, even in the first quarter, this thing seemed like it was heading in the direction of a blowout, and it got even worse as the game went on. But Dak Prescott was fantastic. I mean, the best he's been in two months, I'd say. I mean, he looked great. He looked like that guy that was quarterbacking this team the first seven, uh, first seven weeks of the season. And that was really the biggest thing that I said last week. I said, listen, Dak has to be better. This team is not going to do anything if he does not get better. And man, did he get better. Now, it was only one week, and they're going to have to put it together more consistently. But man, last night was all Dak Prescott in the passing game. You look at what Zeke and Tony Pollard did. They only had 17 carries combined for 71 yards combined. Now, Zeke did have two touchdowns. He showed some explosion on his rushing touchdown, which was good to see. He does look better, and I like the fact that he hasn't necessarily had a heavy workload over the past few weeks. They've really been kind of using him in the right spots when they think he could give them what they need. You know, a big touchdown at the goal line. They get inside the red zone. Usually he gets back out there, but for the most part, they you can see they're making an effort to not have him out there too much because he's dealing with a knee injury, and we all know it. But he has looked better. You know, I kind of joked about how it didn't make any sense where he was saying he was going to get healthier by playing, but it looks like he is because he looks better than the past few weeks, and that's a big, big plus for the Cowboys. But like I said, it was the passing game. I mean, they had five different wide receivers, or five different receivers, I should say, with 50 yards or more. And Dallas needed this so bad. It proved that the offense is still in there somewhere because me and a lot of other people were questioning where the heck it went. I mean, the first seven weeks of this season, Dallas was awesome. Dak Prescott was awesome. The offense looked high-powered. I mean, it was more of a worry about the defense being kind of one-dimensional, being so kind of dependent, I should say, on the turnovers that they were getting. And and now, I mean, it, it couldn't be more of the opposite. I think a lot of people that have watched this healthy Cowboys defense is very impressed. I don't know how you couldn't. And it was more a question of when is this offense going to come around? When is Dak Prescott and this offense going to come around? And yesterday, they did in a big 
way. And like I said, I mean, the defense was awesome yet again yesterday. I, I don't want to gloss over what they were able to do. They are healthy, and man, do they look powerful. You look at what they've got in that front seven with, with guys like uh, Tank Lawrence and, and Randy Gregory and Micah Parsons, and then you have Diggs and Jerome Curse in the secondary. I mean, those are good players that make up a very good defense here when it is healthy. I mean, Diggs had an interception. Tank Lawrence had an interception. They had five sacks. They are getting to the quarterback. They are getting pressure on the quarterback. And if they're not sacking him, sometimes they are forcing him into very bad throws. It's all about the offense's consistency. If the offense can consistently get back to being even half of what they were last night, this team can win a Super Bowl. I believe that. Make no mistake about it. They have everything. They've got the quarterback in Dak Prescott. They've got the running back duo in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. They have the wide receiving core. Guys like C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, they are deep. Even having guys like Cedric Wilson, and, and if they need it, Malik Turner is there. And then at tight end, you got Dalton Schultz. I believe Blake Jarwin just got activated. He should be back at some point here. A great run blocker, a guy that could be crucial for this team. They have a great O-line. They always have. And now the defense at being healthy is... It's unbelievable. I mean, it's night and day the way this team looks when they have guys like Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory both on the field alongside Micah Parsons. They check all the boxes as a team when healthy. They are versatile. It's a matter of the consistency of this offense and the consistency of Dak Prescott. At the end of the day, it is about Dak. It used to be this team goes as Zeke goes. Those days are gone. This team goes where Dak goes. The first seven games of this season, they looked like a legit Super Bowl contender. They, they looked like they could compete with anybody in the NFC. And that was because of the play of Dak Prescott. And then he kind of started to scuffle. And we, we heard the talks about, you know, he, he's, he's in a slump. And, and what's going on with this offense? Is Dak reverting back kind of to who he was two, three years ago? Well, I think it was just a matter of kind of everybody needed to get healthy. Everybody needed to get back on the field. And all of a sudden, it just clicked. And hopefully that is the case. Hopefully this Washington game was kind of them clicking back into gear here. And the passing game can come alive. Because like I'm saying, if it does, this team's ceiling is pretty darn high. It's Super Bowl high. Because you look at the NFC, and I'll talk about this a little bit more expanded in a little while. But you look at teams like the Buccaneers, I mean, they're a mess right now. They don't know if Leonard Fournette will be back this season. Chris Godwin will not be back this season. Mike Evans just went on the COVID list. He's also dealing with an injury. As much as Antonio Brown went out and they looked good against the Panthers yesterday, you can't tell me that the Buccaneers aren't as powerful as they once looked. They're not as unbeatable as they once looked. I was very much on the Tom Brady train. I was very much saying he's going back to the Super Bowl. And, you know, if they're able to look like an explosive offense even without those guys being out, I'll probably go right back into saying that he he will because it's Tom Brady and and he finds ways to win. But at the end of the day, the Buccaneers are a mess at the moment and you got to wonder if that inconsistency, if not having those guys that Tom Brady thought he was going to have to go to war within the playoffs. If that's going to affect their ability, 
I'm not sure. I mean, that New Orleans game was ugly without the big pieces. So I'm not going to sit up here and say, well, you know what? It's not like they can't. It's not like they can beat the the Buccaneers. So it's not Dallas isn't a Super Bowl contender. They can beat the Buccaneers. I mean, even healthy, they were right there with the Buccaneers' first games of the season. They were able to match kind of a shootout game with the Buccaneers, which not a lot of teams can do. And that was because of the play. Uh, you guessed it, Dak Prescott. And then you look at teams like the Packers. Now, don't get me wrong. The Packers are an absolute powerhouse. You look at that offense, it is flowing. Aaron Rodgers looks as comfortable as he's ever looked out there, and that's even with an an injured foot. you got guys like Alan Lazard really coming on here that had expectations that are finally kind of living up to that. MVS can make a big play at least once or twice a game, and obviously Devontae Adams is an incredible weapon for them to use. They've got guys out of the backfield. It's really, though, I don't necessarily fear the Packers' defense. And as much as getting into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers doesn't sound like very much fun, we can't pretend like a couple weeks ago Tyler Huntley was in a shootout and he kind of matched the Packers. I mean, that game came down to the end of the fourth quarter. The Packers' defense over the last four games, I believe it is, maybe not with this, this past one, but I do know the four weeks prior to that, they were letting up about 30 points per game. That's tough to overcome as an offense, especially if that was to be in a playoff game. That's tough. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot of perfection to ask out of Aaron Rodgers and that offense. Now, he can do it, and, and I'm not going to say I'm not afraid of the Packers because I, I am, but at the end of the day, the Cowboys, they're not out of this thing by any means. They can beat a team like the Packers solely because if this offense comes out being a little bit more explosive, looking like that offense the first seven weeks of the season, then they're cooking with gas over there in Dallas. Do not count out the Dallas Cowboys because the landscape of the NFC is now kind of opening up some doors to where they could very well win it. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. Jacob Roll and Sons Construction is a family-owned business that does many types of masonry work at your home, business, or property. From chimneys, fireplaces, brick steps, block work, outdoor kitchens, veneer work, and other applications, they take care of whatever you need done and are known for their craftsmanship and the quality of their product. So give Tony a call at 401-744-4864 and see why more customers trust Jacob Roll and Sons Construction. Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. I 
And we are back here with the Chat Chat Radio Show on WNRI. Like I said at the beginning of the last segment, give me a call, 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. Would love to hear everybody's takes out there on the Patriots game yesterday, what they thought about that game against the Bills, what they think moving forward. I'm all ears, so give me a call if you would like to discuss and also i would absolutely be down to talk about the cowboys obviously not the home team around here but always a polarizing topic and we'd love to hear what people have to say about their pursuit of the nfc now i want to veer off here and i want to say i said it last week i i I announced it and i couldn't be more reassured after the performance this week the kansas city chiefs are back and they are very 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 back And the reason I say that is because, listen, we saw what they were able to do against the Chargers. That was a big game in terms of kind of some divisional aspects of it, some some playoff implications in that game. It was a big Thursday night game, two high-powered offenses, I mean, teams that you knew were going to be able to move the ball down the field. We expected a shootout, got a shootout, and the Chiefs came out on top in overtime. And what was the most important part of them being able to get that win right there and show that, hey, this team is back and they are back in full force was the fact that there was such a heavy use of Travis Kelsey and such a heavy use of Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's the keys here. The the big names for Kansas City have to produce in a big way because those are the guys that they are have their chips pushed all the way to the middle of the table. They've paid all of them very well. They are on the books. And it's one of those things where they're going to live and die by that core of players. Now, the funny thing about the Chiefs is that even after that win against the Chargers, it was like, all right, well, this season, they've been a little up and down. And one of those kind of things where you just didn't know what to make of them because when they'd go out and have such a good performance against teams like the Raiders, they would revert right back into a team that was underwhelming and not quite as high-powered as they once were. But that is not the case right now as they went out against the Pittsburgh Steelers and dominated from the jump without Travis Kelsey. But I do have a call, so I'd like to take that right now. Welcome to Shot Shot. Oh, no, Jamal, how you J- doing? Jamal, I can I can only imagine how you're doing today. <laughs> oh, I'm doing great, you know. Had a great holiday, off of work, off of school. It's pretty sure we have, we, have, we both had beautiful weekends you know, outside of the Lakers, so I'm sure you're yep. doing great as well. No, I, I I am, I am definitely. I mean, when the team scores 56 points, it's it, it's tough not to. But I mean, give me your thoughts on on that game yesterday and and where the Bills are moving forward in your mind. <laughs> you know, the talk about you know the defense being embarrassing, you know. That is an embarrassing performance, and that's what domination looks like. To not to go in and pretty much they had the football for what thirty-five minutes over half over half a football game. Yeah, zero punts forced. Yep. Every single drive went to the least Patriots fifteen-yard line. They scored on every single drive, excluding kneel downs. Um, at the end of the half and at the end of the game, the only drive they didn't score at they didn't score. They ended at the Patriots one-yard line. That's domination. That's embarrassing. That's what some of people should be asking about the Patriots defense. But I think, but I guess because we're not running the ball, I guess no one's going to really ask that. But um, yeah, that's really what's embarrassing about them. They completely dominated them. They got dominated by the Josh Allen experience. Um, they kind of they lost this game where they went kind of a stretch after you know we we scored first at the tunnel. They came back down, scored, and then they started they started to let Matt cook. You know, to say that the least. And I don't know why. You know, they were running the ball pretty good. Um, we do have a run. I remember we had a run defense problem. We really couldn't we couldn't stop it all that well. 
Um, but they they, they put the, they put in the ball Max Sands and well, he was missing receivers everywhere you can miss a receiver had a ball that was kind of tipped or whatever you know I'm not going to blame that too much you know had the ball tipped up in the air not his fault but that one turnover ended up being a huge difference got us onto a double digit lead that we never really looked back they got back into the game by doing what they started off doing you know running the ball and having Mac doing you know minimal stuff here but I think that's where they kind of got they kind of you know lost control of the game right there because they scored and they kind of you know disappeared for the whole half because they had that two-drive stretch where Mac was um, throwing the ball, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, I think everything you said is true. I mean, there's no denying the fact that the offense, the Buffalo Bills offense went out there and they took it to that New England defense. And like you said, it, it was a lot through the air. I mean, it was the Josh, Alex, Josh Allen experience, like you said. I mean, he was incredible yet again here. And, and that's really the key to... Buffalo moving forward is they got to ride Josh Allen. I mean, he's got the talent. He's got the big contract. And I know you've always said, even in losses, I mean, he's got to be a guy who elevates his teammates around him. And the Bills were, they had some shorthanded. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie's not necessarily a guy that usually goes out there and puts on a performance like that. But that was a perfect example of Josh Allen answering the bell and going out there and producing in a very big spot with huge implications. Yeah, especially, you know, I... I'm big on the money thing. You know, that's that's why you get paid the big money. You're missing yep. two of your top three receivers. Emmanuel Sanders really even hasn't really been performing all that well. You know, his age is really starting to show. And you go out there, you got Isaiah McKenzie look like the next Wes Welker and everything. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just insane. So that's, that's, that's exactly why we pay him this money. And I'm just glad he's been able to show that about the past couple of weeks. And now he's, you know, showing up the wins. And I believe this conference is back at just where we started. This conference goes through Mahomes and Josh Allen. And, you know, everybody else, you know, maybe it'll go through Herbert for a couple of years or Lamar, but that's yet to be seen. We know for sure it goes through Mahomes and Allen. I think that's where the conference is going to, um, you know, it's going towards. And I will be, wouldn't be surprised to see an AFC championship rematch. I, I agree with you. I definitely think it goes to those two guys. I would not be surprised to see an AFC rematch at all. And one thing that's becoming clear to me is just the the awe, the playmaking ability of Josh Allen. It's not just with the arm. I mean, with his feet, he was able to open up some passes, like kind of like the flick he had to, to Dawson Knox in the end zone. He also had another one, I believe on a, it was either a third down or a second down, where he might have flicked that thing eight yards down the field. And it, it's one of those things where it shows he has the ability to take this team to a Super Bowl solely based off of his playmaking ability like he showed yesterday. Yeah, it was that mixed with a lot of the boring, a lot of the boring QB stuff. You know, yep. the Patriots were like the checkdown was open all day in the first half. <laughs> you know, once they saw Josh was just going to take it, you know, they had to change the beginning a little bit more riskier. But they got absolutely no pressure on it at all. And this is not this is not a great offensive line. I've been on, you know, saying this thing about this all season. Now it looks like they may have found something in that second half versus Tampa because they've been much better ever since. But they're not a, they're not a great offensive lineman. They got absolutely no pressure whatsoever. And you know, now I'm just you know be masterful, be Brady-esque, and take these checkdowns or whatever and control the game that way. Yeah, sometimes you just have to do the simple things, and, and, and that was working for the Bills yesterday. But, I mean, I just, I thought it showed that the Patriots are in a spot right now where they can't necessarily win through their quarterback, and Buffalo can. So that's why I said at the end of my first segment, it kind of showed, or it did show me this game, that the Patriots aren't Super Bowl contenders, and the Buffalo Bills are. It was very difficult to evaluate the Patriots for multiple reasons. You know, for one, you could look at it, you know, they're going through a rebuild and what, per, what and this could be seen as an you know, overachieving, um, which definitely can, can't be seen like that. But on the other hand, you have a place where you spend a historic amount of free agency. 
it looked like your team was ascending, but everything you know lined up for you. You had a red carpet run to the one seed, um, and you blew it. And it looks like for the second straight year, even with all these additions, even with the new quarterback and all this stuff, it's very possible that you finish third of the division again behind Miami. You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, we'll get better in the future. This is a good building block. But, I mean, Miami had a 10-win 10 10 season last year, too. We thought they were on the rise, and they started 1-7 this year. So, you know, it's very hard to – is this a success? Is this kind of a failure? Um, probably a bit of both. Um, I definitely don't think we're Super Bowl, Super Bowl contenders. I was high on this team. I was high on this defense. I, I got exposed. This defense is nothing special. And I learned that last week, and I'm glad I hopped off that bandwagon. But they definitely got a lot of um, social – it's hard to evaluate really with how successful this team really is this season. I hear you. I, I, I agree with the fact that there are two different ways to look at it. Me personally, I look at it, listen, they, they built this team to be better. Like you said, they went out in free agency. They spent all the money. Bill Belichick got to handpick some guys in free agency that he felt would be able to help this football team. Now, a lot of those or some of those guys have panned out. Some have not. Guys like John U. Smith just have been underwhelming. Even a guy like Kendrick Bourne really hasn't been anything special. But then you look at guys like Matt Judon who have panned out and, and that worked out. But at the end of the day, they were supposed to be a better football team than they were the year before, and they have been better than, than what they were with Cam Newton. But now you ask yourself, finishing out this season, I mean, if they finish 10-7, and seven, they're really not you know, that much better than they were the year prior. I mean, they took care of some teams that were some real inferior opponents. But now my question is, where do we look at this team now? They're, they're not able to beat the good teams. I mean, they lost to the Colts. They lost to the Bills yesterday. And that first Bills game obviously has some weather implications that made it kind of a funky game. But at the end of the day, these are the teams that this team's going to need to beat to be a Super Bowl contender. And they did not show that ability over the past two weeks. Yeah, you know, we know they're not an elite team. That's, you know, that's a thing I can, you know, somewhat accept. I think most of the boss could probably accept that. But, I mean, you know, if you go back to, what, maybe even maybe October, you have to at least be better than Miami. I mean, Miami was 1-7. And now you're telling me that Miami may may finish higher than you? You know, God willing, what happens tonight? I mean, that that has to be seen as a major failure. It has to. No, I, and so, you know... That, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, it absolutely has to be viewed as a failure because of the position that they were in moving forward, I would say, three weeks ago. I mean, it looked like, how could you even fathom the fact that this team would even have a question of making the playoffs at this point? And now, all of a sudden, it is a question mark if they are to make the playoffs. Now, it seems more than likely that they will, but like yeah. you're saying... They, they will make it. Yeah, exactly. So it's the Chargers messed up. Big yeah, they'll, they'll make it. Luckily. Yeah, I had heard. I had saw that you said that, and that kind of ruins the whole thing about them making the playoffs. But now it's a question of can they win a game in the playoffs? And I'm just not sure if they can, based off of what they showed me against teams like the Colts and the Bills, without kind of the crazy weather scenario. Yeah, well, we'll see. Depending on the matchup, you know, versus Cincinnati, I think that's a very winnable game. We'll see. Um, again, Joe Burrow looks to be like a very good quarterback. It is still Bill Belichick. I don't know. Again, I guess the defense is, is not, it's not, you know, it's magic defense of the past to where they'll take away what you do best. Um, it's not really that like that anymore. Again, it looks like they've gotten exposed the past few weeks. I don't, I really don't know what to take, what that defense will do. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we'll see. And, uh, you know, it looks likely they may face Buffalo. That's probably the most likely scenario. They will face Buffalo in wildcard weekend, which I do hope I'll be there. So please pull up Patriot fans if you're listening. <laughs> but, you know, that looks like the most likely scenario they will face Buffalo, Buffalo, and they're not beating them, damn sure. Wow. I mean, I, I think that's that's awesome. Number one, that you're going to be there. And number two, that you uh, kind of said, you know, pull up and, and talk what you'd like to there. But I think you make a good point when you say this Patriots defense, that identity of we're going to take what you do best away and force you to beat us with kind of your plan B. 
I mean, you make a good point. That's not the case anymore. Jonathan Taylor ran all over them two weeks ago, and now Stefan Diggs was able to, to really do his thing yesterday. Josh Allen was, was finding him at a consistent rate. He was able to do his thing. Obviously, Isaiah McKenzie was, was kind of the, the big show. But at the end of the day, they're not a team that is taking away opposing teams' kind of best aspect and forcing them to beat them with plan B. And like I said, you, they can't win through Mac Jones right now. He's just not there. He's not there yet. So that's where me, I'm I'm out on the Patriots as Super Bowl contenders. Oh, I'm out on them as well. Um, it just really is a matter of who they are going forward and how they could, how could they possibly get there. And you know they need superstars defensively. J.C. Jackson ain't that guy. And quarterback one, I'm sorry, Diggs is abused in the literally every matchup. He ain't that guy. And so you know, are we gonna? We can get that cornerback one. You need some legit pass rushers if you're going to be in a division with Josh Allen and these other, you know, we'll see what Zach Wilson turns into. You know, the jury's still on Tua. Um, you know, and on, you need a legit number one wide receiver. Cap space that way. Is Max still the guy? There's a lot of question marks um, that we didn't really have, you know, a couple weeks ago when they looked like they were ascending. Now, I don't want to overlook the final two opponents that the Bills have moving forward, but I do think they are significantly inferior opponents to Buffalo. Now, my big question here is, do the Kansas City Chiefs kind of, do they fear you? Do you think that the Bills can overcome that mountain if they are to get there in a rematch and finally get to a Super Bowl? Uh, I think it's possible. I would still pick the Chiefs as favorites in that game. Um, You know, we'll see how it comes, um, you know, how that um, happens as the Bills progress and get hopefully better going to the playoffs. I mean, we still are missing Tre'Davious White. He was, you know, being in that match, I'm like, you know, gonna just put him on Kelsey, put him on Hill, and you know, take him, take pretty much just take him away for a couple plays here and there. Um, we don't have that luxury anymore. I um, mean, not gonna be able to single cover Hills. Probably gonna be a lot of more zone-ish coverage or whatever. So defensively, that definitely offers a, a, a huge bigger matchup. Offensively, you know, as long as we able to get, you know, some of that consistent pass protection like we had in the beginning, we should be fine. You know, we were finally able to beat Kansas City when we were able to get when Josh Allen wasn't being under duress like he was in the past two matchups when we got embarrassed by them. Um, and so it really comes down to how those trenches do, and I think they could do you know decently well. And I don't, I don't, I'm not too confident in what the defense could do to you know um, get to Mahomes or what I list that you know defensive line it's, it's a lot more better. Um, they haven't been they've kind of been underperforming as of late. Um, kind of the whole season mostly but you know as of late they haven't been you know really as great so I'm not too sure I probably would still pick KC I'd be pretty confident KC winning that matchup this time yeah I mean I hear you but like you said I mean there, there's obviously I think there's a better chance this year than there was last year of them beating the Chiefs you agree with that um yes I would I, I would agree with that I mean I guess going into that matchup I was very confident and then you know reality set in um I'm just you know very aware of you know defense like Mahomes and the Chiefs, they look, you know, awesome right now. Yeah. I mean, look at the current state of our defense and how we're willing to match up. I just want to, you know, be realistic in how we're thinking about this. I'm just not too sure the Chiefs would get too many stops for them. And, you know, this, the Chiefs, you know, they have the ability, you know, one big sack and, you know, one big, you know, pass deflection whatever. And, you know, that, that could be all the difference right there. Um, and so I would still have to pick the Chiefs until I see, you know, just a little bit. I got to see more for the Buffalo defense, especially because, you know, their inability to stop the run well. The Chiefs can run the ball a lot better now. So, yeah, yeah, very unbiased answer. I like that. Now, moving to the NFC, I just talked a little bit about the Cowboys and that win over the Washington Football Team. And I mean, really, they clicked on all cylinders, both sides of the ball. Even on special teams, they were able to get that block for a touchdown. And 
I think it showed what, what you were saying a little bit last week about how at the beginning of the season they seemed like a versatile group that, that could kind of beat you in multiple ways. And that was something we saw yesterday, but now it's a matter of can they put it together consistently? Can this offense look the way in which they looked yesterday? I mean, obviously not to that scale, but still look like a high-powered offense again because this defense healthy, to me, is a Super Bowl defense with what they were able to do up front and now having guys in their secondary. They're able to get some takeaways. But, you know, we talked a little bit about this morning the landscape of the NFC is kind of starting to open up here, and it's becoming a lot more wide open than it was, I'd say, a couple weeks ago. Now, I, I talked to you, but Packers or Bucks, which one fears you more if you were to be a fan of an NFC team? Um, I think the answer is kind of obvious here. I think it's got to be Tom Brady. It's got to be the Bucks, man. This is Tom Brady, the GOAT. It has to be the more scarier match. He always finds a way. Um, even, you know, as, as the team, you know, Tom Brady, you know, been there, done that. Offensively, they're going to figure it out. They're getting their pieces back for the, um, you know, the postseason. Most of them, besides what Chris Godwin, I believe, the jury's still on Shaq Barrett. Got an ACL, MCL spring yesterday, so that, we'll see how that goes. Um, defensively, they're still going to get some pieces back. And the Super Bowl champions, you know, they have the uh, championship pedigree, the championship experience, and they're going to be playing at home too. So that also plays a factor into it. Compared to Green Bay, it's you know, the defense has been mighty suspect. Um, the offense even looked a little bit suspect versus that in that Browns victory. I think Rodgers only had 202 yards passing. Um, and, you know, they uh, the Browns not should have, but I think they, they should have been at least able to take the lead in that game um, if Baker Mayfield isn't, um, or at least, I'm going to blame it on Mayfield, if his receiver isn't really interfered with on that route. Yeah, that was a tough, um, terrible call. Yeah, awful call. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's clear the Bucks. I would fear the Bucks more. This team has beat you before, um, you know, so I, yeah, I, just, I gotta say, I gotta say the Bucks. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's like you know heads or shoulders about the Packers, but I, I would comfortably say the Bucks. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I'm kind of on the opposite side, like with with the Bucks' injuries and kind of the mess that they've been and, and the way in which they looked against the Saints without those weapons. They, they looked a little lost. Obviously, Antonio Brown's back now, and it, it, I mean the jury's out on Mike Evans at the moment. I mean, I, I know he, he's got a hamstring injury that he's dealing with. He just went on the COVID list, so he'll be out next week, and, and we'll see about the playoffs. Uh, Levante David on the defensive side of the ball. He's got some injuries. Obviously, Godwin's out for the rest of the year. So my, I have questions about kind of the continuity and the consistency on that Tampa Bay offense. But obviously, like you said, I mean, it's Tom Brady. He finds a way to win. But to me, it's kind of the offensive prowess and the way in which the Packers look on that side of the ball. And, and I agree with what you said about that Browns game. They, they were not high-flying like they were in the previous weeks. But the two, three weeks before that, I mean, they were really, really moving the ball with ease. Aaron Rodgers looked good. He was spreading it around to more guys than just Devontae Adams. I mean, Alan Lazard's finally kind of coming into that potential that some people expected from him in Green Bay when he first got there. But it's it's the defense with me in Green Bay that has a huge question mark around it. I mean, before uh, this past game, they the past four games before that, they had let up about 30 points per game, and that's tough to overcome, especially in a playoff game. So... I don't know. It's tough for me. I, I fear Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense a little bit more, but I guess I, I kind of got to side with you as the Bucks as an overall team, especially if they're pretty much healthy without Godwin. It, it's tough. Those are two very tough teams, but with what we saw with the Cowboys yesterday, and like I said, if they can simply just get their offense flowing going into the playoffs, I think they have a chance against both those teams. Yeah, if I were to you know even just try to convince you, um, if you look at it game plan wise, I think you get a, you get with a, you get away with a lot more versus Green Bay than you can Tampa Bay as far as aggressiveness goes. Um, you know, deep, I mean, you could really abuse them defensively. You know, 
run the ball at will. We've seen, you know, Juice was really, Zeke was really juiced up yesterday. He looked the best he's looked in, you know, quite a few games. Definitely. Even with Tony Powell, you guys should be able to run, you know, um, at will versus those guys. I would hope so anyway. And then you have multiple weapons in the passing game. They don't really, I mean, Jerry Alexander's going to come back, you know, um, a very good NFL corner while healthy and, you know, but he hasn't played football in, in quite a while. And he's still only one guy and you guys have multiple weapons. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so offensively, I think you should be able to kind of just go up and down the field, even at Lambeau. And then defensively, you know, you got this great defensive line, be able to give to Rodgers. You could probably get away with a, a, with quite a bit of man-to-man coverage, honestly, I think. So, you know, kind of just double-team Adams. I mean, can't, no one can truly, truly keep him down, but, you know, give him a double-team, give him a bracket, try to eliminate him best you can. And man up the rest of those receivers, um, you know, I don't think they're, you know, all great talent. I think your corners can probably be, win, that ma- win that match up more times so they can win theirs. Um, and force Rodgers to a bad game, along with the running game, keep him on the sideline. Compared to the Bucks, um, you know, I don't really, I, I really, really trust, you know, manning up those guys too often. For Tampa Bay, they, they will find a way to have, you know, screens and rub routes and stuff to get those guys open. Um, and defensively, you know, it's great to get that ball out so quick. The pass rush won't have too much of an effect, um, I would think, anyway. I don't think you're not, you're not replicating that New Orleans game plan. They have a unique yeah. um, talent structure over there to where they can do that stuff. Um, and so I would just think that you guys get away with a lot more versus Green Bay than you can versus Tampa Bay. I agree with everything you said, and it's, it's tough to deny any of that. So, I mean, you make a lot of great points, and I really appreciate you calling in. I look forward to talking to you next week. Oh, yeah. Same here, man. Go Bills. Go Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Jamal, yet again, killing his segment. I mean, that was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good insight into that Bills game, kind of where the Bills are moving forward. And it's going to be interesting to see where the Patriots are moving forward. I mean, they got to respond against Jacksonville. I mean, if you can't win that game, then what are we doing here? But that, that's a real chance for a get-right game in New England. And then after that, it's the House of Horrors in Miami. That's going to be quite interesting last game of the season. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatraw on WNRI. Jacob Rollins Sons Construction is a family-owned business that does many type of masonry work at your home, business, or property. From chimneys, fireplaces, brick steps, block work, outdoor kitchens, veneer work, and other applications, they take care of whatever you need done and are known for their craftsmanship and the quality of their product. So give Tony a call at 401-744-4864 and see why more customers trust Jacob Rollins Sons Construction. It's springtime, the right time to get an upgrade to your home, or how about that addition you've wanted? Print Construction can help, and all you need to do is call Scott Quinn at 401-996-3038 to set up an appointment to get the process started. Scott owns the small company, manned by him and his son. They'll take care of any carpentry or construction needs you have, taking the utmost care and thoughtful professionalism to any project at a reasonable pricing to ensure your complete satisfaction. Call Scott Quinn this week at 401-996-3038 at Quinn Construction. And we are back for the last segment of the Shat Chat Radio Show on WNRI. Now, I want to finish with some basketball. I talked football for the entire episode. Jamal was great, but I want to move to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I really have a simple take here. 
the Lakers need to admit they whiffed. They have to admit they whiffed. Russell Westbrook is not working, and he's a great player. He's a guy with high energy, and nobody out there plays harder than he does. But the fit with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, the fit with the Lakers as a whole, is not working, and it never made sense to me to begin with. I'll never forget Ben Catino texting me that Russell Westbrook got traded to the Lakers, and he was very excited about it. He calls in here every here and there. He's actually co-hosted a show with me. But I, I couldn't help but say this, to me, just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense adding him to a LeBron James-led team, adding him. He's just not a shooter. He, he can't spread the floor like that. And he goes through periods where he truly just cannot even really shoot the ball because he doesn't believe in that shot. And defensively, he's, he's quite questionable at the moment. He's not fitting in on the Lakers. Whatever their defensive scheme is, they don't play any defense, period. So maybe that's the reason why. But there have been some videos emerging of him really not having the best positioning when it comes to defense. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not trying to pin this all on Russell Westbrook. I'm just saying it never made sense to begin with. And they whiffed. They whiffed on that trade. It's not working out. This team is who they are. They're past the 30-something game threshold here. It's not the beginning anymore. It's not, well, oh, it's early. I I was saying that for the first 20 games of the season because it's true. You have to wait it out for teams like this. But the Lakers are showing no signs of life. If anything, it continues to get worse. It continues to get more frustrating. And again, I'm not trying to pin it all on Westbrook, but you look at what they were able to do on Christmas Day. They take him out of the game, and all of a sudden, they go on a 19-0 run. And, And... I'm not saying that this is all his fault, but I am saying he's got to go. The Lakers need to move on from Russell Westbrook, and they have to admit that the trade didn't work out. They whiffed. They whiffed. They went all in. They traded those picks, and they traded some players, and they went all in to bring Russell Westbrook in to L.A., and it, it just has not worked out. This team is not a championship team. Absolutely nothing about them suggests that they are a championship team. And it's gotten to a point where changes need to be made or else you're wasting LeBron James's prime. I mean, he's still playing like prime LeBron James. LeBron in the last 13 games of this season has been nothing short of incredible. He's playing at probably the highest level he has in about two and a half years. I mean, that's the truth. At a consistent basis, every single night in and night out, he has gone out and been very good for the Lakers over the last 13, 14 games or so. It's, it, it's been fun to watch, but it's not nearly as fun as it would have been if they were winning those games because they're not winning those games. They have a losing record in that stretch that he has put up these incredible numbers for this team. And, I mean, you look around, who here should be unmovable? I mean, yes, Anthony Davis should be. He's, he's got the already won a championship with LeBron. He is the, kind of the number two on this team. He's LeBron's go-to guy. But outside of that, who on this team has played well enough for the Lakers to look at them and say, we can't move that guy? I mean, let's be honest. The, the whole team should be on the trade block. I mean, if, if we're just going to kind of say how it's looked. This has been a horrible experiment. It's been a horrible experience. And like I'm saying, this is not a championship team. The Lakers need to figure out how they can make some moves at the trade deadline. The only problem is it's going to be awfully tough because Russell Westbrook's contract is not going to be easy to move. I would actually be surprised if they are able to find a suitor for Russell Westbrook because of the money that he is getting paid at this current point in time. 
And then you look around, guys are not able to stay healthy. They're an older team, which is like you can't rely on them to stay healthy because of the fact that they're an older team. LeBron James carrying an extreme load here, about to turn 37 years old. Nothing about this is trending in the right direction for L.A. Anthony Davis is, is, is out for probably another three more weeks after this, so they're going to continue to play without him. But it comes down to the fact that none of these players mesh well. There is no continuity. There is kind of no – there's no chemistry is the word I was looking for on this team. I mean, you, you, you go out there, you've got guys throwing off each other's legs. You've got guys throwing to guys who aren't even looking. I mean, like I said, defensively, it's an absolute mess. The Lakers made a big mistake in this whole trade for Russell Westbrook. They wanted to bring a third star in. They wanted to take some of the load off LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They wanted to, you know, they, they got attracted by the star power. But I said it from the start. I would have rather had a guy like Buddy Heald. And the only reason I say that is because at least he can shoot. At least he makes sense for a guy that it stands on the three-point line and LeBron dishes to, gets him the open shots, and he, and he can knock him down. This is not working. I, if I'm the Lakers, the first person I would call is Daryl Morey's phone and say, listen, I got Russell Westbrook here. I know Ben Simmons doesn't want to play for you. It's a mess over there in Philly. He's got a lot of guys calling him, but I'm not sure you could get a better player for Ben Simmons in the position that he's in in Philly than Russell Westbrook. If they could make that trade at this point, do it. And I know it's not going to solve the problem. It's not going to turn them into a championship contender, but it at least gives them a chance to turn this thing around and get playing good basketball heading into the playoffs because it's not going to happen with Russell Westbrook. At least Ben Simmons doesn't even shoot the shots that he can't make. I, it, he plays good defense. He's a guy that can also get out in transition. So I'm not opposed to the Ben Simmons call, the Ben Simmons trade anymore. At first I looked at it and I said, well, what would that solve? It wouldn't solve anything. And that's still true, but at least they'd be in a little bit of a better spot. You'd have a little bit of hope that maybe they could figure this out and they could mesh on the floor. They'd be a taller team. They'd be a better defensive team. That's where I'm at, though. Any way they can move Russell Westbrook and change the core of this team, maybe even change some of the role players on this team, they have to do it. I mean, I'm nostalgic over here, wishing that it could be the 2018 Cavs where they went out at the deadline and basically traded the entire team outside of two, three guys that LeBron said, no, you, you, I don't want you to trade those guys. But outside of that, they moved the whole team, and they had all of a sudden a, a whole new squad in Cleveland. And what they do? They went to the finals. Now, they didn't win the finals, but still, at least it, 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 it turned the tide for the season. It, it got them in a different direction, and it got, got them playing better basketball. And that's all you can ask as a person who watches the Lakers right now. The basketball, the quality of basketball needs to get better in L.A. because it is bad right now. When you bring in a guy like LeBron James, you have a guy like Anthony Davis, you win a championship in the second year. I mean, the expectations are incredibly high. Every time they head into the season, it's championship or bust. When you bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook, it's championship or bust because he is a big name. He's big star power. But it's not working. It's time to admit they whiffed and break this core up, maybe even trade some role players, and figure out a way to get a new team out there moving forward for the second half of this season. Because the team they have right now, like I said, is not winning a championship. This is not working. It's tough to watch. Defensively, they're bad. And offensively, they just flat out aren't much better. Thank you for listening to the episode. See you next week. You've just experienced the newest trend in radio sports talk, Chat Chat with Bradley Shatroff.
Tell your friends and fellow sports fans to tune in next Monday evening at 7 p.m. for the reason you listen to local radio. This is WNRI, one socket.